The book of 1 Samuel tonight will be in 1 Samuel chapter number 7, 1 Samuel, uh, actually 1 Samuel chapter number 9, 1 Samuel chapter number 9 this evening, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us. As always, we've already had a wonderful day uh, in the Lord's house, and the music again this evening uh, it was wonderful, and we look forward to what God has for us from the Word of God. I will be very practical, but I will be very helpful tonight, and uh, I want to uh, use 1 Samuel chapter number 9, and we'll use part of 1 Samuel chapter number 10 uh, this evening. Uh, this may feel more like a Bible study, uh, but uh, it'll be a help to us. I want to look at the life of Saul, and uh, King Saul uh, is one of the, I'll use the word interesting, more interesting uh, Bible characters in the, in the fact that uh, he went from so good to so bad. Um, he's a great lesson for the Christian. Uh, you can be serving God today, and uh, you can let some things creep into your life. And if, if, if somebody had no idea how Saul began, um, the way Saul ended, what, 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 I mean, just who, who would have ever thought uh, that there was a time when God's touch was on his life, God's presence was on his life? And I'm certain that when he started, as we're going to see this evening, uh, nobody could have predicted um, the fact that the Spirit of God would leave him and an evil spirit would come upon him. Nobody would have ever predicted as he seeks the counsel of the man of God in this chapter. Eventually, he's going to seek the counsel of a witch uh, when he comes to the end of his life. Uh, he's, a, he's a good example um, of no matter where you start, you better stay close to the Lord. You better stay obedient to the Lord. That was Saul's downfall. He did not remain obedient. It's a great lesson for us, but tonight I want to focus on the beginning uh, of, the, uh, of King Saul, and certainly there's a lot of positive things uh, for you and I to learn about the beginning of King Saul, a lot of things that would be good to pattern uh, at the beginning of uh, Saul. And so we're going to look at those things tonight, and there's an important, some important principles that I want us to see uh, that if we emulate them, they're going to be a benefit to us. Uh, but for our text tonight, I'm going to, I'm going to read several verses throughout the message. Uh, but just to get us started tonight, I'm going to read verse 1, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 9. Now, well, there, there, now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. Uh, there was a man of Benjamin, this man named Saul, uh, verse 2 tells us, and he had a son whose name was Saul. We are introduced to Saul, and Saul is going to play the role of the first king of the nation of Israel. We, it's important to point out that as you look at the end of chapter number 8, God's people reject the way that God had said it. They said, we want to be governed like everybody else. We want to have a man rule over us like everybody else. The people were too foolish to see that there was destruction with man ruling over them. And, but regardless, God gave in to, and by the way, we've learned that in, in our country, in the United States of America, God will give in uh, when the people say, we don't want it this way, we want to do it another way. But we see now, here comes a man by the name of Saul. And so tonight, I want to use the life of Saul and his beginning. And I'm going to preach on this subject, the making of a leader for God. The making 
of a leader for God. Now, we know how Saul ended. But I would submit to you that if you study Saul and what the Bible says about Saul, from an ability standpoint, from a potential standpoint, he exceeded King David. He had everything it took to be a great king. David had a, was a man after God's own heart. That was the key. But Saul was a man who had the ability. And there are some things that I want us to see tonight in the life of Saul. God's working in his life. And you see the makings of a leader for God. Let's be reminded that leadership is important in our life. The Spirit of God should, should lead us. The Word of God should lead us. But in the local church, God gives a pastor to lead. In the home, there's to be a leader. One thing that's taken place in our country, and the results speak for themselves, is the, is the, the removal of, of masculinity and manhood, uh, taking the father out of the home, uh, reorganizing the order of the home that God has established. Uh, but then there's this notion that, you know, nobody should be in charge, everybody should be in charge. Well, that's when you get mob rule. That's when you get cities burnt down. Uh, that's when then churches die. That's when homes disintegrate. That's when the product we turn out uh, isn't what it could be. So the point I'm making, I don't want you to turn me off because I'm, I'm preaching on a, a leader for God. Because we need leaders for God. We have a Bible college. I'm excited about the future of our college. I want to produce those who are going to lead in the cause of Christ. Uh, we need leaders in our teen group. We need leaders in every area of service here. And there's a making of a, <clears throat> you're not born a leader. You're made a leader for God. You may have potential, uh, but there's the making of a leader for God. So I want to uh, use the life of Saul to preach on that subject tonight. Father, I pray you use the word of God. I pray the spirit of God would use me tonight. I pray that uh, we would get a hold of these truths. I pray that throughout the message tonight, a mom and a dad would get a dream for a child and rear them the way that you command them to be reared. I pray that a young man with the call of ministry and preach on his life would determine they're not just going to start right, they're going to finish right, that they would allow you to work in their life so they can be what they need to be. I pray that the head of every house would listen and let the Spirit of God give them instruction from your word of how we could better uh, be a leader for you. Uh, this church, Father, needs uh, leadership, not just from the pastor, but from uh, the people of the church. And Father, may uh, we look at these things tonight and apply them to our life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've preached many messages on Saul. Uh, most of them have, if I can use this, term, th th this description, a negative connotation. This is the way Saul ended up. You don't want to make the same mistakes. And certainly, God records that in his word so that we can learn. Uh, something I established in my life a long time ago, I'd rather learn from somebody else's mistakes than learn from my own. And, I'll, and we can learn <clears throat> from somebody else's mistakes. But Saul, I've also done study on the beginning of the life of Saul. I've preached messages, as I will tonight, on the beginning of the life of Saul. Saul becomes a villain, and he becomes one of the greatest villains in Scripture, in my opinion, in trying to stamp out the, the will of God. 
Think about how far Saul went. He didn't just try and remove the threat to his throne, but the, from the lineage of David, it had been said the Savior was going to come. And how, I wonder in Saul, he must have thought, maybe he thought like a lot of Christians think, well, it's just me. But the devil came into his life and was using him to potentially interrupt the, and we know it wasn't going to happen because the Messiah, the Savior, is com was coming, but to thwart what God's plan was. Now, there's always a bigger picture. But tonight I want us to look at the life of Saul in his beginning. Because Saul did not have to end how Saul started. But I, I think there's some things that we can learn from what God established in the life of Saul, that if Saul would have stayed close to the Lord, he certainly would have had a different ending. But I, don't, I think we could all learn, just like we could learn from his ending, don't model that, don't copy that, we can learn from his beginning. And I want to be reminded that when the people rejected God's leadership and said we want a man, God in his grace and his mercy, knowing how it would end up, Samuel reminded them, he's going to take your men, he's going to take your daughters, he's going to take your money, that's what the king is going to do. And they said, nevertheless, uh, because they thought it was going to be better. God gave them a best case scenario. He gave them a good king from a man's standpoint. Paled in comparison to being led by God. But he gave them what the Bible says in verse number 2. Look with me. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. This Saul was the kind of young man every parent would have been okay with their daughter dating and marrying. He was a choice young man. God does not put words in the Bible on accident. They're their own purpose. He was a choice young man. He was a goodly. He had a good nature about him. He had character. We'll see that in just a moment. He was a, a person that you would want your, your son to be friends with and to hang around and say, wait, 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 where's our son? Well, he's out with Saul. You wouldn't worry about him because they were with Saul because Saul was a goodly. He had that character about him. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. That's what God's testimony about Saul was. At this point in his life, there was nobody with a greater character than Saul. There is nobody with a purer heart than Saul. That is who he was. The scripture said there was none goodlier than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. He was also a man of physical stature. I have written in the margin of my Bible, next to verse number 2, the word potential. Saul at this point in his life, was potential. I think often of our church and the young people, I'm thankful for all the different generations we have in our church. And all the children that we have here, you know what they are? They're potential. The teens, as hard as it is for some of them, it's, there's potential. Our young adults, there's potential. Young couples, potential. And as long as, by the, by the way, as long as you're on this side of eternal, you got eternity, you have some potential for the Lord. But I want to look at it from the perspective of a young man, what potential he had. But you know, potential is not enough. Just because somebody has potential doesn't mean they are going to be a leader for God. As we train young men and young ladies for the ministry and to serve God with their lives, there's a lot. They're all going to come in with potential. It doesn't mean they're going to make it. But they have potential. Now, we look at it from a potential standpoint, and 
I want to supply, apply that to the message tonight. He was a goodly, he was a choice young man, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. God is going to take that potential, and God is going to make him into a leader for God. And I want us to see the steps that God begins to move through the life of Saul. And for a moment, I want us to remove what we know about his ending, just for the message tonight. Because I want us to focus on how he started and the potential that he had and what God did in his life to help him reach that potential. Because at one time, he was a good king. He was a leader for the Lord. And I want us to see what God did in his life to take him from potential, in verse number 2, to the king who was a leader for the Lord. And I want us to look at these things and apply them to our own life and in an area that God gives us leadership. And by the way, everybody needs leadership. Well, I just, I just don't think I need leadership in, in, in any area. <clears throat> well, the Bible speaks about that. The horse refuse, refuses the bridle. God gives us leadership in different roles. But I want it to be, as I, am, as I have leadership in my life, as I want, I want God to make me the leader that he needs me to be for him. Now, let's notice several practical things this evening. Let me say, number one, a leader for God must have a proper perspective of God's man. A leader for God must have a proper perspective of God's man. Look with me in verse number 5 of 1 Samuel 9. They were come to the land of Zah. Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return, lest my father leave carrying for the asses and take thought for us. He was out looking for his father's donkeys. In verse 6, And he said unto him, Behold, now there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man, and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Long before Saul was the leader, he had the proper perspective of God's man. When he needed an answer, he said, There's a man of God here. Let's go ask him. Because that prophet Samuel, whatever he says, it happens. Let's go ask him. Surely he knows. Now, he didn't get too big in his life where he said, well, I just don't. I mean, eventually he did. But at this point, he's like, well, what does, the, what does Samuel know about donkeys? What does he know about the grazing habits of lost donkeys? He just knew that, this was, that there was a man of God, and it just made sense to go seek the man of God for counsel to see if he knew where, this, where these were. He had the proper perspective of God's man. You're not going to be a leader for God without the proper perspective of God's man. Amen. The office of the pastor, the, the anointing of God, the calling of God. Whether we like it or not, and in this day we live in, we not only try and tear down leadership, we try and tear down the, the, the office of the pastor. We try and minimize God's man, and whether we, we want to accept it or not, God has established a certain pattern. He's established certain things, and God still calls men. God still calls men to preach. He still establishes them as the under-shepherd of the church. And Saul became a leader for God because he first, before he had any leadership, before he had any aspirations, he had a proper perspective of the man of God. You and I must maintain the proper perspective of the man of God, the office that the pastor fulfills. And I tell these, I tell these young men who are training for the ministry, if you, don't have, if you won't listen to the pastor that God has given you, what makes you think people are going to listen to you one day? 
I have, I, have, I, have, I have loyal staff men. But through the years, I've reminded them, you, you're gonna, you be disloyal. What do you think God's going to reward you with? The same thing. It's the proper perspective of the office of the pastor. He had a, that he became a leader because he respected and he gave honor to the man of God. It's, it's the office, it's the calling, it's, the, it's what God has established. We ought to heed the counsel of the man of God. Now, he didn't wander around for years trying to find those donkeys and then finally say, let me go ask the man of God. Uh, he sought him out. Well, Pastor, I'm going to get some of you with this. Pastor, I just don't want to bother you. Well, if the mess I have to clean up is bigger than you bothering me, because you have a question, please bother me. Uh, that's why you have a pastor. Now, don't bother me at 1130 at night unless it's an emergency. Uh, pastor, red car, blue car, car. Okay, you could have texted me that in the morning, and I would have said, whatever you want. Um, you, get the, you get the point that I'm making. Um, but you must have a proper perspective of God's man. Um, if, you'll, if you'll permit me, I believe one of the reasons why God has blessed me is because long before I was the pastor, I had the proper respect for the office of the pastor. I always accepted the counsel from my pastor. You say, well, that was your father. That makes it tougher sometimes. Um, uh, you have, must have the proper perspective uh, of the man of God. So we see, first of all, uh, a leader for God must have a proper perspective of God's man. Number two, turn with me to uh, chapter number 10 and verse number 6. There's so many more things that take place in the life of Saul in these couple of chapters, but we're, we're going to stick for the outline's sake tonight. Let's look at verse number 6. In the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. Statement number two, in becoming a leader for God, a leader for God must become another man. Saul, in the previous chapter, verse number two, was just potential. He wasn't there yet. God had to make him into another man. God had to change him. God had to take that potential, and he's going to have to start reaching that potential. God was going to have to do a work in his life. Friend, this, this evening, remember something. Just because you have potential doesn't mean you're ever going to be what it is that God wants you to be. You've got to allow him to make you into another man. You've got to allow him to make you into a better version of you. You've got to allow him to do a work in your life. How does God do this? Look at verse number 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. It is the Spirit of God that made, makes that leader into another man. It is the Spirit of God that changed Saul from potential into the reality. And if you are going to become what you need to be for God as a leader for God, whether it be as a pastor of a church, whether it be fulfilling a role in ministry, whether it be the head of your own house, whatever aspect it is, you must have the Spirit of God make you into what God wants you to be. 
as a parent, some of you could testify to this even better than I could. You cannot rear your children the way that they ought to be reared without the presence of the Spirit of God. You cannot do what God wants you to do and reach your potential without the Spirit of God. We don't need a, a generation of preachers who, who, don't have a, who, who can tell you all about self-help and can, can quote the latest leadership quote, can even, even post it to their social media. We need a generation of men who know the Spirit of God. We need a generation of men. We need moms and dads who are Spirit-filled and follow the Spirit of God. And we need, we need those who, who, who allow God to make a change that only the Spirit of God can make in them. And by the way, if you have the presence of the Spirit of God, you don't have to go around telling everybody you do. You don't have to go around advertising it. God just begins to do a work in you. God begins to do a work in your life. And if we're going to be a leader for God, we must have the Spirit of the Lord and allow Him to make us into another man. you imagine what would happen if we all submitted to the leading of the Spirit of God in our life? We didn't resist Him. Have you resisted the Spirit of God recently? Maybe the Spirit of God has spoken to you through His Word, through a message, through your own time in the Word of God. Maybe the Spirit of God has impressed upon your pastor, and your pastor has spoken to you about something. Not because you were necessarily doing anything you shouldn't have do, done, but God wants to make you another man. God wants to take you from potential into reality. But you must allow the Spirit of God to do a work in your life. And by the way, uh, you're not going to reach your potential if you're not reading your Bible so the Spirit of God can speak to you. You're not going to reach your potential if, if, you, if, you, if you tune out the preacher while he's preaching and let the Spirit of God work in your heart in that way. You're not going to reach your potential for God if, if, you, if you don't look at the, 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 the man of God as you should and, and listen to the counsel and listen to the preaching of the Word of God that God has given you. You must allow the Spirit of God to make you into another man. Notice as we continue reading, and I'll give you the third one this evening. A leader for God must have another heart. Look at verse number 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. He did not have a physical heart transplant, but he had a spiritual one. There's a difference in the, when it comes to the work of God and the heart that God gives a leader. He gives another heart. See, just because you have a desire to be used by God in a greater way, doesn't mean you're going to be if you don't allow God to make you another man because then he gives you another heart. See, the, there's a process of becoming a leader for God that God wants you to become. It begins with proper perspective of the things that God has established, including the office of the pastor, the man of God that he's given in your life. Then it's allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life, and through that, He gives you another heart. Some of you have been serving the Lord faithfully week in and week out, giving up your spare time. You lead in some area of ministry. And there's a time in your life when somebody told you you'd be doing that, you would say they were crazy. But what happened? God gave you another heart. God gave you a heart. Others look at those kids who... Sweat on you. 
ride that bus on Sunday, snot on you. I'll stop there. And others look at that and say, there's no way I'd ever do that. And you can't imagine not doing it. Why? Because God's giving you another heart. He's giving you leadership. Well, pastor, it's often said, said to, to, to pastors, and certainly many of you express with me, Pastor, I don't, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you put up with that. I don't know how you do it. Well, it's not as hard as you think because God gives you another heart. And he changes your heart. He does it through the Spirit of God. He does it through the proper perspective of the things that he's established. Let me ask you tonight, how is, how, how is your heart? Are you still holding on to that whole old heart? Pastor, I, I know you preach about soul winning. I know you preach about missions. And I know you preach about all these things. I just, I just don't feel like I have the heart for that. Why don't you let God give you another one? Sometimes it's like, well, I feel like there's a call in my life. And I can think back to what God did. But my heart is just not there. Let the Spirit of God work in your life. He's going to have to give you another heart. He's going to have to change your heart into things that you liked before. You're probably not going to like after that. And, and your heart is going to and is naturally be in a place that it, isn't, it wasn't before. But we find that God gave him another heart. He could not go down to the Christian bookstore and get what he needed off that shelf to fulfill this responsibility. Just like a pastor, no matter how many books that you read, you better have the call of God. And you young men that feel like you have the call of God to preach on your life or you want to be in ministry, you need to let God change your life. Otherwise, you'll never have the heart. The heart is what makes the difference, not talent. The heart is what makes the difference, not being head and shoulders above everyone. A heart is what makes the difference, not being goodlier than anyone else. It is the heart, and the heart only comes when you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life. You hear phrases sometimes with the heart of a pastor. The heart of a pastor is not something any pastor can create. The heart of a pastor is not, not something that someone can go to Walmart and buy. It can only come when God does a work. Oh, you think of those who, I use bus ministry as an illustration, but there's also Sunday school and other ministries, nursing home and all of those different things. And some, some might say, well, I just, but God may give you a heart for it. But how does that happen? Well, it first starts with you have some potential, and everybody has potential for the Lord. You could be saved a day and a half, and you've got potential for the Lord. You say, I don't have the talents. I'm like, you still have potential for the Lord. But you let, you let God work in your life. You let God make changes in you. Boy, it's exciting to see it from this viewpoint as, as, as your pastor and see the changes and see the growth. Say, wow, look at God's making them into another man. They've got potential to do something for God. They've got potential to be a leader in the work of God. They've got potential to be a Sunday school teacher. They've got potential to be an usher. They've got potential to be a bus captain. They've got potential. God makes, makes you into another man. And when he does that, is the process of becoming that leader, that person who can help others find the Lord, help others grow in their Christian life, help others go to where God wants them to go. He gives you another heart. And then I bring you to the last one tonight. And this one is just as important. This is the way you see it, you think. If you, if you know church history, you can study every great ministry of the past, and you, there's this progression. Other leaders in Scripture, you'll find the same progression. They have potential, and God does a work in them. 
He gives them that heart. But then notice in verse 26 of chapter number 10. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Number four, a leader for God must have a band of men. You can have leader by your name, but if there's nobody following, that leadership's not worth very much. And by the way, God does not give leadership just so someone can say they're a leader. The reason why God establishes leadership is so that a leader can lead. And we live in a society today, especially amongst Christianity and in our churches, where leadership has become a status and that's not what God intends for leadership. Leadership is responsibility. Leadership is to help other Christians. Leadership is to be selfless and sacrificial so that others can reach their potential for Christ. Leadership is not being a boss. Leadership is not uh, necessarily just writing things. Leadership is not a status symbol. It is something that God establishes to do His work. And part of what God does in establishing leadership is he gives a leader when he has established the changing into another man. He's given him another heart. The next thing he'll do is he'll give him, as Saul had, a band of men. Give him somebody to, to, that will follow him. The way the church is designed is the same way. God has established the institution of the church. Jesus is that cornerstone. God has established a pastor as that under-shepherd. He is to administrate. He's to, to faithfully teach and preach the word of God. He's to spend his time in prayer. He's to, he's to do those things. But he's to lead God's people in reaching the world with the gospel. Part of my responsibility as a pastor is, yes, to preach the word of God, to study the word of God to spend time in prayer, but it's also to help lead you, God's children, to, to reach your potential for the Lord. It's part, that's part of what God does. Now, how does God accomplish what God wants to accomplish? One man can make a difference. One Christian can make a difference, but not as much as somebody who allows themselves to be transformed into a leader for God, and God touches the heart of others to do the work of God with him. These men, if you, if you read the life of Saul, just like in every other situation we want to apply it to, when God established Saul, there were some who didn't like it. There were some who rebelled against it. There were some who said, we're never listening to him. And when the, battle, the call to battle comes, we're not coming. But in the midst of that, God reached into the hearts of a band of men, and he put in their hearts to follow Saul. I believe God does the same thing. God establishes someone in leadership, and we all have different roles in leadership. There's different levels in leadership. But I'll use the illustration of the local church tonight. He establishes a pastor, and he touches the heart of men. He touches the heart of others to follow the leader that God has established. The mistake that is made in our churches from the pastor all the way down, we want to bypass all of the steps of God making the leader. We want to say, I have a right to be the leader. I have the talent to be the leader. I have the knowledge to be the leader. 
it's something that I look at and, and I watch what everything goes on and I, that's what I want to do. But that doesn't make you a leader for God. You might can slap a label of, of status on your name, but that does not make you a leader for God. God has to make the changes to make a leader for him. He must change the man. He must work in his life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Then he gives a different heart, but then he also gives a band of men. The work of the Emmanuel Baptist Church gets done because God has touched the heart of men and women to follow the pastor to do the work of God. I pray to God I never get so full of myself that I think it has anything to do with me. You do know we have a great church, don't you? You do know God has blessed us, don't you? First of all, it is all God. But I I see God's pattern. I'm thankful as your pastor for the things that God's done in my life. But I'm thankful that God has given me men who no doubt God's touched their heart and said that's the pastor God's given us. And we're going to do the work of God. Sometimes we get frustrated because we say, well, I know I've got some potential. I know I've got some ability. I feel God wants to do these things in my life. We want to bypass all these products because we just want somebody to follow us. That's why all all you young men, from young adults all the way to the teen group, you want to lead a home one day, you've got to allow God to make you into that leader. You can't bypass the steps. You won't be in ministry one day, you've got to allow God to make the changes in your life. You know, by the way, that's part of the process of Bible college. You know more than the average person if you just grow up in our Sunday school program here. But part of the process is God making you into another man. See, if we, if, we, if we know how God does things, it's very easy to assess the situation. See, I, 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 want, I, want, I want to have some leadership, but I don't want to go through the process of being made into another man. God's not going to give you leadership. Because you want to allow God to do things in your life that's going to make you... By the way, don't ever, you young men, don't ever become a pastor if God hadn't called you. Uh... Because this, a man cannot fulfill, the, it has to be the, it has, God has to be involved in it. I mean, you think about it. Uh, to meet the needs of the people is humanly impossible. You know, that's why when you take the Spirit of God out of it, that's why you have to have 47, one, you can't have one man who's the, who does the preaching, the counseling, the administrating. When you take God out of it, you have to have one for each one of those things. Because it's something that God does. So let us allow God to make the changes in our life. And then let us see how God does it. God may not make you the leader of this church. Let me help you. He hasn't. There's a pastor. But if, but I believe this was equally important. That God touched the heart of these men. Because Saul could have been the king, but if nobody followed, the work was not going to be done. The enemy was not going to be defeated. If you follow the leadership God established, and this is a church, and this isn't one of those messages, we're not having any problems that I know of. That's the best time to preach a message like this. We first started, first started talking with the different entities about our building program and the 
money and the finances. He's like, well, how are the people going to respond? I said, fine. This is pretty big. Be fine. He said, does that give credit to my leadership? No. It gives credit to the hearts of men who want to do a work for the Lord. It's a unique and it's a special thing when pastor and people are on the same page trying to do a work for God. Well, it would be a wonderful thing if, God, if we would allow God. You know, there's, 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 we, we've got to get to the place where we're, we're content with, with how God makes us. We're content with the role that God has for us. I'm convinced, and this is just casually talking tonight, I, I'm convinced there's some pastoring who'd be better off not pastoring, but serving in that capacity, serving as, 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 as a layman. But they've said, well, I think I could do that. It's not my place to say who or what. I just, I just believe that's the case. But likewise, I believe there's also some who are sitting in pews that ought to be go to that next level of leadership. This will help some of you when I deal with your children as they graduate. And they come to counsel and they say, what, Pastor, what do, you, what, what do you think I should do? I say, this is what I think you ought to do. And part of the pressure that I apply is because I know that sometimes God wants to make somebody into another man. And I also know that one of the biggest hindrances in the young people today is the belief that they can't do what it is that God feels, that they feel God wants them to do. Can I help you take some pressure off of you tonight? You can't. But if you'll let God make into another man, he'll do the work. I just don't have a heart for that. Let him make into another man. He'll give you the heart for it. Well, nobody would ever listen to me. They wouldn't listen to me either until God touched the hearts of men. Just as he gave Saul a band of men, God still does that today. But you've got to allow God to make you. In this church, I preach this message tonight because no matter where you think you fit in this church, I want you to determine to reach your potential for the Lord. You could lead somebody. You lead your home. As this ministry grows, there's going to need to be many who step up and say, Pastor, there's a need for leadership in this area. I'll, I'll let God work in my life. And if you're not willing to establish yourself as the boundaries of a leader, then you're not willing to lead. Because there's a price to pay the leadership. Well, I don't want to make those sacrifices. I've not made one sacrifice. Not one sacrifice. Because God has done a work in my life. God's given me a heart. He'll do the same work in your life. And friend, we live in a day-to-day when we want to minimize those who just say, I'm just going to follow the, the person that God has put in my life. It's an amazing thing what God will do when you take somebody who's just a goodly young man with potential and begin to work in their life and establish them and help them reach their potential. But then he'll touch the heart of some and, and, and bond them to that leadership so that they can do a work for God. I don't limit God's work in your life. Parents, can I help you tonight? You may not see in your children 
what you feel God wants them to do. Don't limit what God wants to do with your child because you don't think they have the talent. You don't think they have the ability. Well, Pastor, I've seen their spelling. Good night. They could, you know, don't limit what, what God could do with them because God could take them and make them another man. God wants to do a work in their life. You teach Sunday school in our ministry, and in the months ahead, we're going to be calling some of you out of retirement. We're going to be enlisting new Sunday school teachers. Be aware of the potential that's in front of you. Oh, I don't, God will never you. Oh, you don't know what God will do. He'll make them into another man. Hey, we have a unique relationship, don't we? How many of you watched me grow up? And if truth be known, you're as shocked as I'm here as you're as shocked that I'm here as I am. Um, my brother Wiles, who of course is with the Lord now, sometimes he served as deacon as me, pastor. Sometimes he just shook my head and said, said, "He'd say this to me more than once." And finally, I got a complex with this. Why are you always bringing this up? Uh, well, I remember when you were little. I never saw this coming. I, I saw the trouble you were in the mystery. I never saw this coming. I said, Brother Wiles, neither did I. Neither did I. Um, the work of the Lord is special. And uh, let's let God work in our life. Um, the message tonight, I think, is for some. God wants more from you. The potential that's in this room is astounding. It's astounding. We see it week in and week out in our ministry here. There's no limit, no limit to what God can do. I think of others who are out of our ministry pastoring today. And I feel about them how I guess Brother Wiles felt about me. What happens? God does a work. God makes the change. Uh, so tonight, maybe there's somebody that God's been working on you, and you know there's something more that God wants you to do. You just don't think you can do it. But God did a work in Saul's life. He'll do a work in yours as well. Don't worry. God will touch, touch the heart of some. And he'll give you. And I thank God. As a public testimony, and I thank God for the men and those, the hearts that God has touched to serve with this pastor. I thank God for that. It's a special thing. So however the Lord speaks to you with this message tonight, uh, would you respond how he speaks to you? Uh, maybe tonight it's time for you just, the ministry's growing. We need more Sunday school teachers. Well, Pastor, I know what the requirements are. Well, why don't you, why don't you put your, 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 I was going to say, put your spiritual big boy pants on and, and say, I'll, whatever I have to give up for the Lord to take a greater role in ministry, I'm willing to do it. Well, Pastor, I, I don't think I can do it. Well, let God do a work in you. Pastor, I don't even like kids. Well, he's going to have to give you another heart. <laughs> but he can do it. I look at some of our school teachers, and they weren't very fond of the idea of teaching, and here they are. Um, God does a great work in the life of people. Let's allow him to do it in ours. Father, thank you for...